Welcome to the first SDA podcast. We are glad that you have chosen to spend your time listening to this program, and we know that you will be blessed in the process. We pray as you listen to the message today that you will be inspired, empowered, and renewed to have a closer walk with God. If you believe that name changes things, you ought to say, thank you, Jesus. We're grateful for that wonderful name. In fact, the Bible says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and that the righteous run therein and find safety. Again, I just want to thank Sister Adams and my lovely wife, Gianna, uh, for that wonderful word in song today. And if you appreciate their ministry, along with Nadine and the Dudbots, just give them some love right there in the chat today. Just let them know we appreciate their ministry in song. I'll be admit, I'll be honest that uh, Brother Adams and uh, Pastor Adams and myself were probably a little distracted during the hymn of meditation today. So pray for me uh, that I can get my mind stayed back on Jesus Christ today. Uh, we thank God for their ministry today. Um, today, we just as we do each week, we want to thank all of those that get up early or stayed up late uh, that helped us to be able to bring the gospel uh, to your home today. So we thank our music team, our stewardship team, our children's ministry, our AV team, our deacons, our deaconess, all of those that allowed us uh, to be able to make this presentation of the gospel known to you today. And so if you don't mind, just, just share some love in the chat for all of those that work hard uh, so that our program will function well from week to week. And before we get into the word today, I just want to remind you that we're going to have or continue our virtual AYM. That's going to be this evening again at 5.30 p.m. Uh, the Zoom information will be on our Facebook page. It may come up here on the screen here shortly. Or if you just go to our Facebook page at Huntsville First SDA Church, you can just log on and you'll be able to uh, follow our afternoon AYM. And so I'm going to encourage all of our parents, if you have a teenager or a preteen, uh, go ahead and make sure that you set aside that time after your fellowship after your dinner meal this afternoon where we can continue to grow wiser in the things of God. This is set aside for our young people. And so I want to encourage you to make sure that you set aside time for that this afternoon. So today what we're going to do is we're going to go right on into our teaching series today. We're going to continue in our series entitled Doctrine is Not a Dirty Word. And what we've been talking about for about eight or nine weeks now is how to merge Jesus back into the doctrines of the church. And so there are times where some people say, man, we need less doctrine and more Jesus. Some people say we need more doctrine and less Jesus. I need you to know that if you have a doctrine that does not have Jesus at the center of it, it is false doctrine. And we've been over the last couple of weeks having a good time talking about the doctrines of scripture and the doctrines of the church. And so we're going to do that a little bit more today. Today, I want to talk to you about uh, just really understanding some of the purposes of trials and adversity. It is important that you have some doctrines, some core beliefs as to why God permits some trouble, some affliction, some hardship. And we want to look at that from the word of God today. So before we turn into the scriptures, do me a favor, be an electronic uh evangelist, uh, be an apple, apostle, a digital disciple, share this message. If you're on YouTube, man, just copy this link, send it as an electronic epistle to somebody today uh, that may be going through any adversity or hardship today. Go with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter one, Exodus chapter one, and we're going to begin together at verse number seven, Exodus chapter one. And we're going to begin together at verse number seven. When you get there, let me hear you say amen. Exodus chapter one, and we're going to begin at verse seven. Exodus one and verse number seven. Again, we want you to just form some ideas around why we have trials, why tribulation is permitted from time to time in the life of the believer. Exodus chapter one and verse number seven. The Bible says, and I want you to pay attention to how Moses describes this. He says, but the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty and the land was filled with them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said, and he said to his people, look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we come and let us deal shrewdly with them 
lest they multiply. And it happened that in the event of war, that they also join our enemies and fight against us, and so go up out of the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Pithom and Ramesses. But the more, watch this saints, they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were in dread of the children of Israel. Again, I want to read for emphasis verse number 12. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and they grew. Today, saints, I want to talk to you for a little while under the subject, what trouble reveals. And I want to give it a subtitle entitled Unintended Consequences. Unintended Consequences. Let us pray together today. Father, I ask that in this little while that you would say much. Father, I ask, Lord, that you would grant me permission to join my human weakness, my frailty, and my lack to your divine strength. So once again, Lord, I'm praying that in the hearing of the word that our faith would grow, that it would expand, that it would increase as we gain some clarity about what is happening in our inner world. So would you once again please hide me in the shadows of the cross that Jesus alone might be seen, that Christ alone would be heard. And at the end of our time together, may Jesus alone be praised. We ask this in the name of him who is altogether lovely. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray these things. Let God's people say together, amen and amen. You know, saints, in the social sciences, there is a principle that is espoused and it is called the law of unintended consequences. This term describes an action that produces an outcome that was not foreseen or intended. Unintended consequences can go into three types of categories. First, there is what they call unexpected benefit where there is a positive result that was not foreseen. Sometimes in nature or finance, this is what is called a windfall. Second is what is called the unexpected drawback, where there is an unexpected detriment that accompanies the intended outcome. And third, there is what they call the perverse result, where the intended solution actually makes the problem worse or it actually creates an outcome that was contrary to what was desired. An example of this is what is known historically as the Cobra Effect. In India during British rule, the British government was concerned about the amount of venomous cobras throughout the land. And so what they did was they put a bounty on the head of every dead cobra that the citizens bought to the council. And so I need you to know that this plan had initially large success as many of the deadly cobras were killed in exchange for the bounty. But over time, slick and enterprising people began to breed cobras in abundance so that they could bring the bounty to the city in order to get paid. And once the government got word that they were breeding cobras, what they did was they nixed or they ended the program. And now all of these cobra breeders had this abundance of cobras and now they were worthless. And so in retaliation, what they did was they freed the cobras into the wild and the cobra population after this became more than what it was before the policy was put in place. In other words, this policy designed to destroy them had an unintended consequence. What was meant for their annihilation resulted in their multiplication. And can I suggest, friends, that this is why God does not get in the way of every trouble that comes in your direction. At times, God knows that there will be unintended consequences for the attacks that the enemy puts upon God's people. In other words, we serve the God saints that is able to take what he meant for evil, manipulate it, and turn it around so that it ends up for your good. In other 
word saints, the God who sees all and knows all and weighs all, allows some adversity to pass your way. And though it may be difficult initially, you've got to know that there's going to be some unintended consequences. Is there a witness that knows that sometimes what Satan sent to ground you, God can use the same thing to grow you. You see, Satan didn't realize that the attack on your family was going to cause you to become more prayerful. He didn't realize that when you lost that person, it was going to cause you to cling to Jesus. He didn't recognize that when your income went down, that your faith was going to increase. The boss thought that he was firing you, but he didn't realize that he was freeing you to go into your divine assignment. I need you to know that those that rejected you, they were just redirecting you to the one that God had for you. And I know that maybe everybody doesn't want to praise God in this way, but is there anybody that can look back over your life experience and you can see the hand of God every step of the way and you can attest that Romans 8.28 is true, that all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. In fact, let me, let me say it this way. I remember a few years back, when my kids were just a little bit smaller, uh, one day we were going down to the kitchen where I was going to prepare breakfast for them. Now, you know how it is when my three kids, they would all sometimes fight for the biggest bowl so they can get the biggest portion. And the two oldest would always fight to get the biggest bowl so they can get the largest amount. And so one day as I'm getting ready to pour cereal, I don't see any cereal in the pantry. And I give them the bad news that today I'm going to have to just cut up some bananas and and raisins and some oatmeal and and so I need you to know what happens is instead of fighting for the big bowl they begin to turn around and fight for the smallest bowl and and what they do is they shove the big bowl in front of the baby boy who he don't just care he's just trying to live his best life and so as I'm getting ready to make the oatmeal I open up a cabinet and I find another box of lucky charms in the cabinet and, and it's crazy because now they have fought now to get the smallest bowl they have put the biggest bowl in front of the little guy in order to hurt him but what they meant for evil was going to somehow work out for his good and he was able to get the big bowl of lucky charms because it had some unintended consequences and can I suggest that there may be forces at work that's trying to give you a big bowl of what you don't like but God is going to prepare something that works out for your good there'll be some unintended consequences are you here me today saints and so today saints as we as we go back to the story there are just four brief principles I want to share with you before I take my seat today now again the title of the message is the things that trouble reveals now I need you to understand a couple things that that one trouble reveals some things about those who are being troubled but then trouble also reveals some things about those who are causing the trouble and the thing I want somebody to understand is that not all trouble is created equally. In other words, all trouble is uncomfortable, but not all trouble is unproductive. In other words, saints, the, the first thing I want you to get is that sometimes trouble reveals where you shouldn't be settling. Let me say that again. Sometimes trouble reveals where you shouldn't be settling. Sometimes, my friends, trouble reveals where you have stayed too long. Now, let's look at this at the backdrop of the story. Remember there in Genesis, uh, the, uh, the, the account is given where God gives the king of Egypt some dreams about the future. He gives him a dream of seven fat or robust cows that represent seven years of plenty that shall come upon the land of Egypt. But then he also gives him a dream of seven lean cows that devours the fat cows. And these seven lean cows symbolize seven years of famine that shall come upon the land of Egypt and all of the surrounding areas, including the land of Canaan which was set aside for Jacob and his descendants now remember in the story 
how God used Joseph to prepare the land of Egypt for the famine and they were able to bless the surrounding nations and preserve many people alive. Now, if you recall how Joseph got reunited with his family. Remember, it was the famine in Canaan that drove them into Egypt so that they may borrow. And it was there in Egypt that his brother's sins are exposed. It is there in Egypt that Joseph's power is revealed. It is there in Egypt that they find grace from Joseph. In fact, Joseph is the first one to espouse the law of unintended consequences. He says, I'm going to give you grace, my brothers. Because you meant it to me for evil, but God was able to turn it around and use it for our good. Now I need you to understand now that they are bigwigs in, in Egypt as the family uh, of Joseph who is prime minister. Remember now that Joseph, Jacob's descendants experienced great favor in Egypt. In fact, they are given some of the best land in the area of Goshen. In fact, Pharaoh literally tries to deed some land to Jacob and his descendants because of his admiration for Joseph. But remember Jacob Jacob said, no, Pharaoh, we can't take your land. We actually belong in Canaan. We're just going to hang here to the famine. And after that, we're going to exit stage left and go back to our homeland. In other words, they were supposed to visit Egypt. They were never supposed to settle in Egypt. In other words, Egypt was supposed to be a stopgap. It was never to be a permanent station. Egypt was just to be a holdover, but now Egypt is holding them over. It was always God's design for them to go back to the land of Canaan, the land that was set aside for the descendants of Abraham. In other words, stay with me, saints. They were only supposed to be in Egypt for seven years of famine but now they've been there over 70 years and they have no ambition of going back home in fact what the bible tells us is they begin to multiply in egypt they begin to colonize in egypt and they begin a cultural and social and spiritual assimilation into the larger culture of the egyptians are you with me in other words beloved they have completely abandoned the land that God had for them. In other words, they ain't got no plans to go back to Canaan. They have no ambition to go back there. In fact, Joseph and his brothers have died and here they are 80 years later with no intention to go back home. And let me be clear, saints, I'm not going to state that God was the one that designed the slavery. But guess what? God did not block the slavery because this slavery reveals that they have settled in the wrong place. In other words, saints, I need you to know it was not until there was affliction in Egypt that they developed an appetite for Canaan. Let me say it again. It wasn't until there was some affliction in Egypt that they had an interest or an appetite for Canaan. Do Y'all realize what's happened in the story. Jacob and the brothers, they have completely died off. They are three generations that have been born in Egypt. And they don't know nothing about Canaan. And as long as things are comfortable in Egypt, they'll forget about the fact that God has something better planned for them. And it is not until affliction starts that the appetite for something greater is created. And can I suggest, friends of mine, the problem with some of us, the reason we're having some adversity is because we've stayed in Egypt way too long. In other words, saints, I need you to know that Egypt represents that temporary situation that bought some immediate comfort, but it was less than what God had planned for you. It, 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 Egypt represents that situation that was just supposed to hold you over, but now it's holding you over. And it wasn't until Pharaoh began to tighten his reins that you realized that you never should have settled there in the first place. 
Christ. And let me just tell the truth that this doesn't apply to everybody, but I know it does apply to somebody. In other words, there are some young people. You just started messing with them so that they could hold you over. But now the fact is that they are holding you over. There are some of you that started that job just to hold you over. But now that same job is holding you over. There are some that decided to live together unmarried. This is just going to hold us over financially. But now it's been six years and that situation is still holding you over. And just like Israel, they were supposed to be there seven years, but now they've been there 70 years. In other words, they've been there 10 times longer than they were supposed to be. And can I suggest that there are some of us that are listening to this word today, that you've been in some relationships 10 times longer than you were supposed to be there. Some of us have been on some jobs outside of purpose 10 times longer than you were supposed to be there. There are some of us that have been in some habits 10 times longer than you were supposed to have them. There are some that have had the wrong friends 10 times longer than you were supposed to have certain friends. And I'm going to suggest that God doesn't order Pharaoh, but God doesn't restrain Pharaoh because it is the affliction of Pharaoh that creates the appetite for Canaan. In other words, it is affliction that keeps some things from settling and becoming a permanent part of your life. Are you hearing me today, saints? And, and see, I need y'all to understand this, that Egypt is not just symbolic of temporary fixes. See, I need you to know that their stay in Egypt, what it does is it mirrors or it parallels our disposition to this life. In other words, notice in the text, my friends, that these guys ain't got no intentions on going back to Canaan. They, they ain't making no plans to go back to Canaan. Like Canaan has simply become an afterthought. It is a part of their history. Like they don't even have a remembrance of it. In other words, they don't even have Canaan as a goal until it becomes uncomfortable where they are. And I need y'all to understand that their sojourn in Egypt or their disposition in Egypt is a mirror of our disposition toward this life. In other words, we have not been called to live in Egypt. But how many of us know that we were designed for our heavenly Canaan? But the problem with us is that as long as it's comfortable here on Egypt, guess what? We don't have no appetite for our heavenly Canaan. We don't think about our heavenly Canaan. We have no ambition for our heavenly Canaan until we experience some afflictions down here on this earth. Okay, y'all quiet with me today. Remember at the beginning of the year, we started under the theme, Almost Home. Every conversation was about heaven. Our affection was about heaven but somewhere about February we started to slip after a while the quarantine began to soften and restaurants began to reopen and sports leagues began to resume where, where before everything was about heaven it was before our face but somewhere as light begins to reassert itself it begins to drift into our peripheral vision and God is saying that sometimes I've got to allow some trouble to remind you that you don't need to settle emotionally down here here, but you were designed to be seated in heavenly places. And see, I need somebody to understand, beloved, that there is something about the human nature that attaches itself to immediate ambitions and earthly goals and my direct wants and the things that satisfy in the present. And those earthly instincts can be so overpowering that heaven simply becomes an afterthought. But I need you to know, saints, that I want to be one of those people that doesn't live with heaven in my peripheral vision. I want to wake up every day with heaven on my mind. I want to go to sleep with the kingdom on my brain. I want to live with a no bad mentality, realizing that no place on this earth shall I call home. I don't know about you, but I got a home up in that kingdom. Isn't that good news? Are y'all hearing me today, saints? 
And say, I need you to know, beloved, this is why we should not always curse or lament our daily troubles because sometimes our daily troubles are simply a tap on the shoulder to remind us that we were not created for this earth. It is to remind us that our home is in glory. Can the church say amen? In fact, I need you to know that sometimes your daily afflictions, they won't always be crushing. Sometimes they'll range from inconvenience to catastrophe. See, I need you to know that sometimes the arthritis in your knee is just a reminder that you were not created for this world. That sometimes your blurry vision and the need for glasses is a reminder that there is more to life than this. Sometimes the financial woes you face are a reminder that you've got a mansion in in the sky. Sometimes the heartbreak your kids give you is a reminder that this world is not your home. I need you to know that the mass shootings that are getting more, that the coronavirus that's continuing to spread, that even these police shootings that cause woe to our souls are a reminder of the affliction of Egypt that create the yearning for Canaan. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And so the first thing that trouble reveals is that sometimes we're getting attached to the wrong things and sometimes we're assimilating into the wrong place. It is a reminder that we need to keep our focus on our heavenly Canaan. Can the church say amen? So go with me in your Bible to Exodus chapter 1 and let's look together at verse number 9. Exodus chapter 1 and verse number 9 and I want to look at these trials or our understanding of trials in light of what's happening in our world today. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 9. Look at what the Bible says. Exodus 1, let's actually look at verse 8. The Bible says, now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come and let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happened that in the event of war, they also join our enemies and fight against us and go up out of the land. You see, the second thing that trouble reveals, sometimes, friends, trouble is proof of progress. All right, let me say it again. See, sometimes, my friends, I need you to get that trouble is true proof of progress. Y'all realize, beloved. That, that Hebrew slavery in Egypt was simply a systematic reaction or backlash to minority progress in the land of Egypt. Do, do you realize that the Bible says in Exodus chapter 1 that when Jacob and his descendants first roll into Egypt, they, him and their kids, they are simply a cluster of about... In other words, you realize that there's a combination of things that is now irritating this new Pharaoh. In other words, first, he is irritated by Joseph's success and legacy in, e in Egypt. In other words, this new Pharaoh comes into town, and you know how it is. You've got to develop some revisionist history. This new Pharaoh says he only got to power because of affirmative action. This new Pharaoh comes up and he says I'm angry because we've already let a minority in the White House. Excuse me, I meant the palace. In other words, y'all gotta see this new Pharaoh as he walks around with a copy of Joseph's birth certificate to try to let the rest of the majority know that he is not really one of ours. And see, this Pharaoh is upset because these minorities are having position in Egypt and they're doing well in Egypt and get friends that this playbook is very old. So what this new Pharaoh does is he runs with an old strategy as he stokes the fears of the majority. He says, look, these Hebrews are taking over over our country. If we don't do something, we're going to be the underclass. In other words, we've got to put some measures in place. We've got to take our country back. We've got to get things back in order. In fact, he runs under the theme, we've got to make Egypt great again. 
Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And so I need you to know that this trouble that comes upon the Hebrews, it is simply a response to limit their progress in the majority culture. And I need you to understand, beloved, that sometimes the trouble we face is simply a reaction to growth. In other words, this trouble is put in place because things are changing. There was a certain amount of trouble because progress is moving forward. There is trouble to keep progress from moving in a certain direction. And let me just say this to those who are in minority communities. And I want to say it to our godly uh, our white allies who are angry about what is happening in the world. That we cannot be frustrated by the backlash that we'll see in response to the progress each and every day. In fact, even in these last couple of weeks, I've seen heard certain conversations of despair because as soon as we get a just verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial, we are immediately triggered back into lamentations as we go back into weeping over the senseless killing of our brother in North Carolina as he is shot in the back of the head while he is in retreat. And I need you to understand, beloved, that there's going to always be a backlash in response to progress. Am I preaching to anybody today? In fact, there's some of us that feel like things won't ever change because we're hearing about the restrictive laws in Georgia that uh, condense our voter morale or the unjust recount of votes in the state of Arizona. And it makes some say things won't ever get better. Even here in our state of Alabama, there is unjust legislation on the docket that makes some people believe that wickedness is going to always prevail. But I need somebody to know that even though these things are unpleasant, there's always been a backlash to progress. And I need you to know that the backlash is not a time for us to give up. But the backlash is a time for us to hunker down. Do you realize that this is simply a recipe from an old playbook? Do you realize, my brothers and sisters, that at the end of the Civil War, at the abolishment of slavery, there was a backlash then. You realize that the 13th Amendment outlawed the, the use of slavery, but they had an exception in the clause for crime. And what it permitted was what they call convict leasing. A system that allowed southern states, if they got a black person uh, committing a crime, they could put what they call black codes and get free labor out of anybody that was convicted of a crime. In other words, there was some progress, but guess what? There was also a backlash. Do you remember after 12 years of reconstruction and incomplete promises, there was still another backlash after they instituted Jim Crow laws? after federal law, federal troops were removed from the South, that there was still another backlash. Do you remember after the Voting Rights Act of 1965, it required certain states that were guilty of voting discrimination to have to appeal to federal powers in order to enact new laws or judgments. But do you realize that after 2012, the largest African-American turnout that the Supreme Court in Shelby versus uh, uh, in Shelby versus Holder removed that requirement that allowed southern states to enact new laws that did not require federal oversight and it created a situation where the disenfranchised had to prove to the disenfranchiser that they were actually being disenfranchised so there was a step forward and then there was a backlash do you realize that after 1964 and the civil rights Act as it began to put an end to Jim Crow. What they simply did under the war against drugs, what they did was they gave stiff penalties for small drug infractions so that instead of having slavery, now you have mass incarceration. And I need what somebody needs to know is that some see these things as a sign that stuff will never change. It's a sign that we've wasted our time. It suggests that we should no longer march or have hope. But I need you to know that I don't see the backlash as signs we ought to give up. 
The backlash to these things are proof that things are going to change. It is evidence that we ought to stay in the fight. It's proof that Pharaoh senses are shifting in the atmosphere. And whenever Pharaoh shifts from one side, it's because he's lost power in another side. And so now he's got to do something else in order to hold back the progress. In other words, my friends, it's not time for us to give up, but it's time for us to be more civic-minded. It is time for us to be more legally aware. It's time for us to be more engaged in the process. It's time for us to teach our kids what they're right are. It's time for us not to celebrate one verdict or the election of one president because we need to know that the battle is not over and the victory is not won. We've still got a long way to go, but I want somebody to not get discouraged by the backlash. Whether you're an African American or whether you're a white ally of justice, I need you to know that there is a shifting in the atmosphere. I can feel the ground moving underneath my feet. I see the hand of God standing up on our behalf. And I need somebody to know that this battle is not ours. But the battle belongs to the Lord. And the battle may not be won immediately. But guess what? God is going to defend the oppressed ultimately. We've just got to hang on to our resolve. Can the church say amen today? So the word says to us here in Exodus chapter 1. I want you to look at verse 7 and then look at me at verse 12. Exodus chapter 1, verse 7 and verse number 12. The Bible says this, saints. But watch this. The children of Israel were fruitful and they increased abundantly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly mightily and the, fee, the, the land was filled with them. But then notice what the Bible says in verse 12. The Bible says, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and they grew. And they were in dread of the children of Israel. You see, the third thing this teaches us, my friends, is that there is never a bad time to grow. <laughs> let, let, let me say it again to somebody. <laughs> the third thing this teaches us is that there is never a bad time to stop, start growing. Now, again, I'm not going to stay here long, but I need you to notice what the Bible said there in verse 7. The Bible lets us know uh, uh, that even when they were in prosperity and, and things were going well, that they were growing at a very aggressive and noticeable weight rate. But notice that the Bible says that they begin to grow even more in number the more they afflicted them. Okay, y'all didn't get that. That they were growing pretty good when everything was great. But the Bible says they started to grow even more the more they afflicted them. And what I just want to say real quick is that circumstance is never a condition for growth. In other words, your predicament is never a prerequisite for growth. And I believe that this is a critical point for somebody listening to the word today. Because there is some young adult, there is some young couple, there is some soul in despair that feels like they can't grow because their circumstances are less than ideal. But I need you to know that the children of Israel were a threat even before the affliction, but they were an even greater threat after the affliction they endured. In other words, they didn't say, let, let, let's just wait till everything gets better to start growing. They didn't say, let's wait till the slavery is over to start reproducing. They didn't say, let's wait till everything is well to begin expanding. In other words, they continue in the normal process because they recognize that God is able to grow you even when the circumstances are not ideal. And let me just say this to somebody who is waiting on the circumstances to change. Maybe the circumstance is designed to be the catalyst for the change. Oh God. That there is somebody waiting on the circumstance to change in order to grow. But the circumstance is the thing that is going to create the change so that you can grow. In other words, married couple, stop saying, I'm going to wait 
to quarantine and the pandemic is over to worry, uh, to focus on the marriage. You'll never have more time than you have together right now to get some things growing in the right direction. There is somebody that needs to stop saying when the recession is over, I'll start practicing stewardship. If you start practicing stewardship, guess what? Your recession is going to be over. There is somebody saying, I'll have a better attitude when I get a better job. No, if you have a better attitude, guess what? You'll get a better job. There, there is somebody that is saying, I'll wait till I start making more money to start saving money. Guess what? If you start saving money, then you'll have more money. There is somebody that's saying, I'll wait till I get a bigger house and then I'll be organized. But if you're organized with what you have, God can trust you with a little bit more. There's somebody that's saying, uh, when things settle down, I'll get back in the word and I'll start coming back to church. No, get back in the word and start coming back to church. Then your life is going to begin to settle down. In other words, saints, those that grow permanently are the ones that make a decision to grow presently. In other words, they're not waiting on everything to change. They're not waiting on everything to get better. They simply make it up in their mind that I'm going to grow where I'm planted. Is there anybody on the line today that has just made it up in your mind that I don't need a season to grow, but I'm going to grow right here, right now. I'm going to grow where I'm planted. And see, the crazy thing about it, saints, read it in the Bible. You would think that because of the affliction, that the mortality rate would go up. You would think the greater the affliction, the more the women would miscarry. You would think the greater the affliction, the less they uh, fertile they would be. You would think the greater the affliction, the less they would reproduce. But the word lets us know that even though there is affliction, the women are still fertile in affliction. The brothers are still potent in affliction. They're still reproducing in affliction. And can I suggest to somebody, you may be afflicted financially. You may be afflicted spiritually. You may be afflicted morally. But is there anybody that believes you can still be fertile in affliction? That you ought to still be potent in affliction? You ought to still be giving birth to something in affliction? See, there's somebody that's saying, when it gets better, I'm going to produce something. God is calling you out of circumstantial living. And he's saying, you can reproduce something now. You can give birth to something now. You can start something now. You can grow something now. You don't have to wait till someday in the future. God says, I'm your refuge and your strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. So you ain't got to do it way back then, way out there. You can do it right now. Are y'all hearing me, saints? Okay, let me just preach out of my own experience. Y'all, some of y'all know that my wife Gianna and I, that, that she started her photography studio about two years ago in 2019. And, and, and it was a faith journey in the first year. But then 2020 comes. And all of a sudden, the world shuts down. And we had already thought in our minds that we were going to have to close it down. We we're going to have to take the sign off the front door. But see, I need you to know that sometimes there are unintended consequences. In other words, because folk weren't going to work, I guess they had more time for pictures. Oh, y'all not hear me. In other words, I need you to know that 2020 was even better than 2019. Because she didn't say, I'm going to wait till the future to try. I'm going to lean into it right now. In other words, same thing here at the church. I remember when we first had to shut down, we didn't know what it was going to be, how it was going to affect our employees, how we were going to grow. But I need y'all to know, First Church, that we've been even able to grow in the midst of the affliction. Before the pandemic, we had some a little influence in Huntsville. But now in the pandemic, we have folk watching in Africa, in Jamaica, in France, in Italy, and in Australia. I need you to know that we had a regional reach but now God has given us a global reach and is there anybody that knows that you don't have to wait for it to get better to grow you can grow right now where you're planted mm. 
See, see, one of the things I need you to know that as a native Floridian, one of the things you'll always notice is that palm trees only grow in stormy areas. Oh, y'all oh, not with me. In other words, you realize they only grow in areas where, where the wind velocity is high and, and where storms are happen on a regular basis. And the reason palm trees only grow in stormy climates is because when they're being blown to the left and right, I need you to know that that stretching process is not destructive. But when they are pushed to the side, it actually stretches the trunk of the tree. In other words, the wind is growing activity. So if there was no storm, then there could be no growth. <clears throat> but do I have any palm tree believers on the line that realize that God isn't killing you? He's simply stretching you and the storm is helping to develop you. Are you hearing me today, saints? So the third thing it teaches us is that not only is, is, is trouble uh, not a bad time to grow, but number four, I need you to know, watch this, that sometimes bad times create growth. Let me say it again. Sometimes trouble creates the growth. Now, if y'all read this story, you talk about some unintended consequences. Here's one. The word says, this blows my mind. <laughs> The more they afflicted them, <laughs> the more they grow, the heavier they make their burdens, the more they begin to multiply. See, what Pharaoh didn't realize is that the growth he feared was engineered by the conditions he put in place. It's funny because historians and sociologists actually tell us that oppressed people tend to multiply faster than those who oppress them. So whether it was Hebrews uh, in Egypt or, or whether it was Jews during the Nazi regime or whether it was Africans here in America. See, I need you to know oppressed people grow faster than those who oppresses them. See, what Pharaoh didn't realize is that heat multiplies. <laughs> See, see, you got to understand the, the, the conditions here that this affliction that he hoped to weary them, the affliction that was designed to discourage them, the affliction that was designed to crush them, it was this very affliction that multiplied them. Now, I need you to get that, 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 that what they tell us, sociologists say, is that, that oppressed people that have more agony and they have more trauma and they have more loss and they have more woe those conditions actually create in them a greater desire for release and for companionship. So oppressed communities will have stronger communities, they'll be more religious, and they will have larger families. Y'all not with me. So afflicting them has this unintended consequence. In other words, I need you to realize that the difficulty of the circumstance actually pushed husband and wives closer together. In other words, when the brother came in from the field and he was worn out by the uh, stresses of the day, his wife was the only retreat and escape that he had. When the wife came in from dealing and serving the Egyptian women, understand that her husband was the only retreat that she had. And what Pharaoh did not realize is that the more he afflicted them on the outside, the closer he pushed them together and the closer they got the more they reproduced so the thing that he feared was produced by the conditions that he sets and can I suggest today friends of mine that I need you to know that I would not ever covet trouble I would never invite trouble but can I suggest that sometimes we just gotta lean into it the right way see let me let me just say to some of my married couples you got to get to a place where you stop saying circumstances destroyed our marriage. Now, now let me be honest with you, that, that circumstances can influence your marriage. But guess what? They can't destroy your marriage. Let me, let me say that again for somebody. That circumstances influence marriage. But guess what? They can't destroy the marriage. Just like rain doesn't cause the leak in the roof. Rain just reveals where the roof is leaking. 
And see, the problem is we're blaming the rain instead of sealing up the leaks. And see, I need us to understand that you got to stop saying that that COVID or quarantine killed your marriage. No, it didn't. It just revealed where you was already leaking. Stop saying financial trouble destroyed the marriage. No, all it can do is reveal where things are already leaking. Stop saying the stress about kids killed the marriage. No, all it does is reveal where our things are already leaking. And what I'm saying today, beloved, is instead of allowing financial trouble to wear us down, what financial trouble ought to be doing, it ought to be clarifying what's important. It ought to clarify what's not important. What you ought to do is you got to learn how to lean into trouble a little bit differently so that when trouble Trouble comes upon your house instead of turning on one another. Guess what? Like the Hebrews, you ought to turn to one another. You ought to turn to the face of God. Because guess what? Whenever you have an outside attack, what it does is it puts two opposing elements on the same side. Are y'all hear what I'm saying? Man, it's just like this. I remember, man, growing up, uh, whenever we go to my grandma's house, I, you know, be, be, besides my younger brothers, I was the oldest boy in our family. And, and I had a lot of girl cousins. And as the only boy, we would always, I would always have arguments and, and fights and bickering with my girl cousins. And, and it's crazy because we was always fighting over toys and, and this and that and the third. And, but, but the crazy thing about it is that even though my cousins was always against me, let somebody from across the street come and try to pick on me. Let that one of them kids from across the street hit me or there be an attack on Ethel Smith's grandkids. I need you to know that my older girl cousins that was always against me, let somebody come and put their hands on me. All I had to do was look over my shoulders and before I knew it, they was taking their nails off their hands, pulling their hair up in a bun, putting some Vaseline on their face because guess what? That joint was about to go down because whenever there was an attack from outside the family what it did was it put the family on the same page and what I'm saying saints is that whenever there is an attack on your house that ought to make the husband and wife go hand in hand breast to breast get on their knees and call on the name of the Lord are you hearing me today saints See, I need y'all to know, beloved, that there are sometimes when they, in their times of prosperity, what can happen is we can, we can drift away from each other. But sometimes what God uses for the heat, the heat isn't designed to destroy. But you know what heat does to metal? If the metals are close together, it'll weld the two into oneness. And what I'm saying to somebody is that the heat that you're facing, I need you to know, it is not designed to fracture or separate. It's designed you to weld you to one another. And it's designed to weld you to Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me today, saints? And it's crazy because like I remember growing up, I would go fishing with my grandmother. And, 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 you know, one day I was, uh, outside and, and I was right there by the edge of the water and I was playing with my little toy boat and it was there in the water and I, and I'm playing with it going back and forth. But eventually the, the, the little boat got outside of my reach and it began to drift out a little bit further and I couldn't reach it anymore. But one of the great things about grandmas is they know what to do in every situation. And it's crazy because I couldn't reach it. I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it to come back home, get back. But guess what grandma did? What grandma did was she took a big rock in her hand. And so even though the boat was about right here, what she did was she took the big rock and she threw it on the other side of the boat. Oh, y'all didn't catch me. And guess what? When the rock hit the water, it created some waves that pushed the boat back where I could reach it. And can I suggest that sometimes in calm waters, the husband begins to drift from the wife and the wife begins to drift from the waters. But sometimes God has to make some waves that push the two sides closer back to each other and they push the two sides closer back to him. So I need somebody to understand, beloved, that sometimes storms, see the problem is we look at the weather report and we say today is going to be sunny and 80 degrees or 90 degrees and guess what? Today is good weather. But it's crazy because just the other day, you know, we had a little, little, little rain, a little mini storm that came through. But it's crazy because after all these quote-unquote good weather days, I walk outside I got ground patches on my grass. My, my little flowers in the front, they, they wilting and they hanging over. But I need you to know that just after one, you know, maybe a couple of hours of rain, when I came back home, guess what? My flowers were standing up straight. They was revived. 
they were they were looking good like they could make it a little bit further and it made me ask myself this very week is rain bad weather or is rain growing weather and there is somebody today who is in the midst of a deluge just it's raining all around you and you're saying it's not right it's bad whether God is forsaken but I want you to maybe look at it and reframe the narrative and ask yourself the question today is this bad weather does this mean God has forsaken me or does this weather simply mean God is trying to revive what is wilting and what is dying and what is languishing on the inside of me? And let me just say this, beloved, as I close, you can go ahead and play something. What, I'm not trying to just kind of make an excuse. I'm not trying to give you like uh, just a, a, a theological feel good. But I need you to understand something about our great God. I need you to be clear. Now, again, I'm not saying God caused the trouble. I'm not saying God ordered the slavery. But guess what? God says, you know what? I see all. I weigh all. I measure all. Like a GPS, when I put in a destination, I look at every possible route. And I'm going to choose the best one for my children. So even though he sees it coming, God doesn't stop it. He steps out of the way. And he lets Egyptian slavery come upon Hebrews. And he lets the devil think he won. The devil's like, oh, I got him because I got him out of Canaan. I'm going to own Canaan. I'm going to destroy the people. I'm going to cause them to assimilate into the larger culture of the Egyptians. I'm going to destroy Abraham's lineage so that no Messiah can come. But God says... You know, I'm going to let this happen because they're going to be some unintended consequences because they have voluntarily left Canaan and they have no appetite for it. And God says, I'm going to allow there to be some affliction in Egypt to revive their appetite for Canaan. And, and, let's, and listen, let's just tell the truth and shame the devil. Like most of us, we don't have no thoughts, no desire, no appetite for heavenly things until our earthly situation becomes nearly unbearable and we can't take it anymore. It is not until there is affliction in Egypt that we have a yearning for the land of Canaan. God says, I'm going to allow some trouble because and to encourage you in a certain way because again, Egyptian slavery, that was simply a reaction to progress. And I want to say to my brothers and sisters of every nation, every hue, let us not get disturbed. Let us not become weary and well-doing. All of these things, these measures. See, Pharaoh is pivoting simply because progress is taking place. We got to hold on. We got to bunker down. We got to stay focused. We got to keep moving in the right direction. I want to just say to somebody today, like you in this pandemic and you're saying when the pandemic is over, I'm going to do this. And when quarantine is over, I'm going to do this. I need you to know there is never a bad time to start growing. You can grow in this season. You can grow right now. If you're just willing to say, Lord, I'm willing to grow where I'm planted. There's somebody that spiritually needs to say, I'm going to grow in this situation. I'm going to grow in this house. I'm going to grow while I'm driving this car. I'm going to grow while raising these kids. I'm going to grow whether I'm married, whether I'm single, whether I'm divorced. I'm not waiting for a circumstance change. I'm going to let the circumstance bring about a change on the inside of me. And last, I need you to know that there's certain trouble is that certain trouble creates the change. Not all trouble is created equally. All trouble is uncomfortable, but not all trouble is unproductive. How many of us believe God's word today? Romans 8, 28 says, In this we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. See, I need somebody to understand that God does not cease to be good because some affliction is permitted but God has weighed the trial and he has weighed the person that is being tried and 1 Corinthians 10 is so true I can attest that he will never place more on you than what you are able to bear and even with it he'll also create a way of escape 
and there's somebody listening to this word today that maybe you you've lost faith because there's been trouble or maybe you become discouraged because there's trouble maybe you you become you know you know just worn down because there's trouble but i need you to know that god sees some unintended consequences what was designed to ground you if you let God work in your life, it's going to grow you. It's going to mature you. It's going to expand you. It's going to develop you. It's going to help sanctify. As I said last week, it's going to help sanctify you and help you become the man, the woman that God has ordained for you to be. But some of us, we've drifted from each other. We've drifted from God. And so God had to make some waves to push us closer back to each other and to push us closer back to him. There's somebody today that's hearing the word of God. And you need to make it up in your mind to say, I'm done waiting for everything to get better. I'm done waiting for everything to be perfect. I'm done waiting for ideal circumstances. I'm going to grow right where I am planted. If this is where God has me, so be it. Maybe I'm not in the house of my dreams. I'm not with the person of my dreams. I don't have the car of my dreams, but I'm going, I'm going to grow right here. And, and what you're simply saying today is I'm, I'm going to be like the palm tree. Whichever way you blow me, Lord, I'm not going to complain. However much force you let come upon me, I'm not going to lament it. I'm just going to let it stretch me so I can be who you've ordained me to be, oh Lord. I'm growing where I'm planted. I'm no longer going to complain. I'm no longer just going to lust after a different circumstance, situation. I'm growing right where I'm planting. And there's somebody today watching this message. Maybe you're here in Huntsville. Maybe you're in another city or state. You need to make it up in your mind and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to begin this journey. I realize that there, there's a doctrine to trials. There's a reason. See, I realize, God, that you never, ever waste a hurt, but everything has a purpose and it all works together for my good. And you want to make it up in your mind and say, I want to stay in the journey. I want to be in a saved relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You want to go all the way to the point where you want to become a member of this church, maybe through baptism, maybe through rebaptism. Maybe you just need to begin studying the word of God. I want to invite you to come into church fellowship this day. You can email us at prayer at firstsdachurch.com. Prayer at firstsdachurch.com. You can make your decision known to, to join with us in fellowship. And I need you to know, saints, this is the best church in the entire world, in the universe. I want you to know we can't wait to walk alongside you in discipleship to help you grow in your inner man and in your inner woman to be who God has ordained for you to be. We're going to get you to get settled in the truth of God's word. We're going to teach you how to pray. We're going to teach you how to walk. We're going to teach you what it means to believe. And guess what? We're going to walk together. We're going to do life together until we make it to the gates of the kingdom. So if you want to make it up in your mind and say, I want to join the church of the living God today. Listen, email us today. You'll hear from somebody from our staff by Tuesday so we can begin studying the word of God with you. So you can be in one of the next baptisms of this church. Or maybe you're in another city. Maybe you're in another state. Maybe you're in another country. So, so maybe you can't come here, but we can give you an assist. We can get you connected with a good Bible-based Advent church with your city, in your state, in your country. If you email us just the same, put it back up again. Prayer at firstsdachurch.com. Email us today. See, I need you to know that, that God has caused, God has permitted this pandemic so that our ministry can grow. So it can reach you where you are in New York City, in, in Boston, in Massachusetts, in, in Jamaica, in, in Tobago, in Africa, in, in Europe, wherever you are. But God has you providentially sitting before the screen, listening to this message. It's about one o'clock where I am, but it's about eight or nine o'clock where you are. And there is nothing accidental about it. You can email us and we can get you connected with a church, a pastor, a Bible instructor that can take you on a journey that culminates in eternal eternal unending life in the sun so right now i'm going to pray i'm going to pray for you to be kept i'm going to pray for you to be sealed i'm going to pray for you to be steadfast and i'm going to pray even for our homes that the outside trouble that the heat would not fracture you but it would weld you tighter than you have ever been I'm praying for the copra effect in somebody's life. What was meant to annihilate you, that it will multiply you. That somebody's faith is multiplied. Your resolve is being multiplied. That you're going to become, come through stronger, greater, more powerful with greater faith. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. And Lord, there are certain sermons that are, that are shouting sermons and there are just certain messages that are just truth. And Lord, we recognize that all trouble is is not comfortable 
but there is some trouble that is permitted that is productive and Lord I want to pray for that person that has settled they've settled outside of their assignment they've settled outside of purpose they have forgotten about what you have in store for them and, and they've forgotten that there is a Canaan land to be occupied and Lord we, we thank you for the afflictions that are permitted that just make us uncomfortable in our temporary Egypt or just the Egypt of this life. Lord, Lord, it's hard to thank you for that, which makes us uncomfortable, but we are thankful, Lord, for those situations that make us yearn for our heavenly abode. Lord, I'm praying that in this march towards social justice that we would not become weary. But Lord, even as we look at these setbacks and these these tyrannies that continue to exist, may we just be reminded that sometimes the affliction is just proof of the progress. It, it is the wicked pharaohs of this life that recognize that life is changing and help us to be steadfast and dutiful and studied and engaged so that we can make a difference until the day you come. And Lord, I'm going to just pray lastly or, or almost lastly for that person who is waiting for everything to change before they decide to grow. Lord, help them to know that the circumstance doesn't have to change, but the circumstance can help change who they are. Help somebody to know circumstance doesn't have to change for you to believe. Circumstance doesn't have to change for you to pray. Circumstance doesn't have to change for you to stop sinning. Circumstance doesn't have to change for you to put down the bottle or the alcohol or let go of some of the slavish bands of iniquity that can grow where they are planted. May they be convinced of it, oh God. And the same way, Lord, the outward attack put husband and wife together. I'm praying that the outward attacks that are weighing down our families, that the heat, that it would not fracture, but that it would do a work of welding and reconciling and putting us on the same team. Create the waves that push us closer to one another and push us closer to you. This, Lord, is our prayer. This, Lord, is our plea. And now it is our expectation. For we pray it all in the matchless name of Jesus. Let those who believe say amen. Let those who believe shout hallelujah as we close out today's service. Again, we thank you so much for allowing us to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ into your home. Again, I said it last week. You didn't believe we could have this much fun talking about the doctrines of scripture and the doctrines of this church. And so our prayer is that you would join us again next week as we continue to try to make Jesus Christ known in this world. So again, we just want to remind you, join us for AYM this afternoon at 5.30 p.m. If you don't have the Zoom information, well, you can go to our Facebook page, get the Zoom information if you want to join by zoom or just click on our facebook page and you can just view it right there on facebook god bless you have a productive victorious prosperous week lean into your trouble and realize that god is going to bring about some unintended consequences that makes it work out for your good god bless you We know that you have been blessed for listening to this message. Join us next week for another inspirational message. If you would like more information about the First SBA Church located in Huntsville, Alabama, or have a prayer request, please visit us at www.firstsbachurch.com. Our services are streamed live on Saturday mornings at 11.30 a.m., and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Central Time. And you're invited to watch these live programs on our website. Until next time, may God richly bless and keep you in His care.